Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right, DJs. Proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie. But just because they weren't paying us doesn't mean we haven't been giving them some love. I still use my bookie to this date, and you should too. Why? Because March is about to get crazy. Insane. Maybe even a little mad. If you're still on the hunt for a sportsbook to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to 25,000 big ones, or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now, take advantage of their generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is use the promo code DEGENS, that's D-E-G-E-N-S, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. Use the promo code DEGENS to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey, everybody, Arch here, and he's back. Rich, what's going on, man? Yeah, just living under house arrest in Chicago. Our mayor says if we go outside that we can uh, get $500 fined and locked up. So meanwhile, uh, they're they're letting folks out of jail. So I'm kind of curious how that all works. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious how that's all going to shake out too. But how are you doing, man? Are you okay over there? Yeah, no, I'm doing good. You know, they say we're the next hotspot, Cook County. So we'll have to ride out the storm. Hopefully it's not as bad as the you know the doomsdayers on the internet or on the television tell us it's going to be, but you know it all passed. There's a lot of talk now that it's going to be seasonal. Seasonal, so the weather here is about to warm up. I, I would expect that as the weather warms, we'll start to see the cases dwindle, and hopefully the horse racing world and the sports world will get back to normal before we know it. Oh man, yeah, I think we're all hoping for that because right now we're hanging on your every word, and your every word last week was pretty damn good. It's a lot more pressure on me with a lot less things to look at, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Man, I made some. I made a few bucks off your plays last week. That's for no doubt, though, Rich. Good. Yeah, I saw that uh, that Wells Bayou. Yeah, Wells Bayou won the race pretty handily, and the um, the the New York traffic. I just didn't think he would be able to hold on with the race being a little bit longer and trying to stay up front. But he even fanned out, which I thought, well, okay, some of these other horses as he's running sideways on the track, like an old Nova down the highway, um, that some of the other horses will be able to squeeze inside of him and, and get our top picks in there. But still the top, I think five picks were in our six selections for uh, our users, along with the winner on top. So I'm sure many people thankfully had a, a winner. They can sort of use some, I guess, in these times where we're stuck at home and, you know, trying to find things to entertain us and put some smiles on our faces. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. It was fun to watch New York traffic. He was right there, but just could never do it. And just, yeah, it was no real challenge to Wells Bayou. It didn't look like as I was watching the race. Yeah, no, he had the race in hand. I knew uh, I, I wrote in one of the stories that I um, put in there that the race could be over for a lot of horses if they ran the opening quarter in 24 seconds and then the uh, first half in 48 seconds. And 
when it was 40, I think it was a 48 change or something close to that when they ran the first half mile. And at that point, I knew Wells by you would have enough to left in the tank to, to get to the finish line, you know, first. The, the only question was, was some of the more talented closers, were they were they going to be able to, to make up that gap and finish second or third, you know, fight for the rest of that pie? But it just kind of, speed kind of held up and they just yeah. ran around <laughs> to the track and nowhere they left the gate. That was great. It was great. All right, so what do we got on Hopefully tap? Hopefully we can do some more of the same this week. Yeah, yeah. What's on tap this weekend? Where are we looking? Well, Gulfstream Park is the epicenter of uh, horse racing. You know, there's only, I think, what, 10 or 11 tracks that are still open. And Gulfstream is hosting nine stakes races. There are, I think, 11 on the calendar for the weekend in total. So South Florida is home of nine of them. And they all have uh, purses of at least $100,000. And because of the cancellations, what we're seeing, you know, side effect, I guess, which is good and bad in some respects, is you're seeing packed fields in the races that are available. You're going to get a lot more quality horses. And in the 14 races at Gulfstream this weekend, I think the, the minimum number of horses running in any one of the races is 10. So you got fields of, of 12, 11, 13. And just big, big fields with good horses. And what that means is if you get the order correct, you could find some really nice tickets. And I expect we'll see some $1,000 tickets out there this weekend, as they uh, call it in the horse racing business, a signer. A signer? Are you familiar with that term? No, no, I I don't know that one. Yeah, so when you go to uh, to the track, in most states, they have, a, a, you know, the, or the federal law, too, for taxes. So if you win a certain amount of money based upon a $2 oh, bet, and I okay. think that number is 600 bucks, yeah. you actually have to fill out a tax form on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The, you have to fill that so out. So you have to sign for it. There you go. Signer. Hmm. So a little bit of horse racing jargon. So hopefully this weekend we can find a few signers for everybody. All right. So which, which, uh, which number race Gulfstream this Saturday? Which number race do you want to look at? Well, the most important race on the card is race number 14. It's Mm -hmm. the Florida Derby. And it's the most important because it has consequences beyond the race. It's uh, another one of the 2020 Kentucky Derby qualifying races. And right now, there's only six races left for horses to get into the Derby, make enough points to qualify. Three of them are on hold because they've been postponed uh, because of the coronavirus. So you have one a race at Aqueduct, which has been canceled, and two at Kingland, which canceled their entire card. So that only leaves three. So you have this weekend's Florida Derby. Next weekend, you have uh, the race at Santa Anita, so we can talk about that again. And on May 2nd, the Arkansas Derby. So those are the only three for sure races where horses will be able to get some points. And this field has got a field of, uh, I think, 10 horses. Maybe 11. Let me look real quick just to make sure. Race 14. There's some really 13. Well, you have an also entry in there. Yeah. So there's 12 races. There's 12 okay. horses. Oh, okay. So you have an also entry. So if one of the horses scratches out, the number 13, take 10, will take that horse's ah, place. Okay. And okay. that could happen. At, at, at sometimes, too, you see, if you look in the program, you see an AE. That's what the AE means also entry or alternative entry, mm. um, depending upon, you know, where you put what school you come from. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you also see sometimes on there when horses are running uh, on a turf race, you'll see MTO, 
which means main track only. So if it gets scratched off of the grass to dirt, then that horse would take a, the place of a horse that didn't want to run on dirt instead of turf. Got understood. So those are okay. some of the yeah some of the symbols that you'll see in the program. So it's a 12 horse field with some of the top horses in uh, you know that potentially could be some of your top horses in the Kentucky Derby led off by the, the pre-race favorite is the law. I think in the, the last futures pool, he was the second choice to win the Derby at seven to one, hmm. only behind authentic a Bob Baffert horse out in uh, California. Who probably may or may not run next weekend. I don't know, but he's six to five and he's run um, a couple of times, I think four times in total, won three of them in a pretty easy fashion. Um, and, the second, the one horse that, the one race that he did miss on, kind of got stuck behind some traffic, um, and then wasn't able to make uh, his moves that he wants to make normally, get outside and, and and get his way to the finish line. So I think that he is the quality horse in the field. The second favorite horse is one we talked about a couple races ago, which is at in the end, which we had um, yeah. in uh, the, the Fountain of Youth, if you remember. Mm-hmm. That was a very Powerful looking performance on TV for Ed Intian, where he ran away from the field by eight and a half lengths. But two races ago, two races ago when they met up in the Holy Bull, he was no no match at all for Tisla Law, finishing um, three lengths behind and most of that given up in the last half mile in the race. So I would I would suspect if Tisla Law comes off the bench ready to run, he will be the class of the race and likely to gain that hundred points. I do expect the Indian to also be competitive. I have him ranked as my second horse, but I, I do think horses two, three, four, and five are, are are really close to one another in terms of their performance. One of the things as impressive as impressive as the uh, the Indian's uh, run was, it was a second slower the Fountain of Youth on the same track, Gulfstream, than um, than what we saw with the Holy Bull, where he matched up with Tis the Law. Okay. So just from a time standpoint, eight and a half lengths looks good, like a win. But if you dig a little deeper, it was a second slower. So if they run the same race again as they did in the Holy Bull, he'd finish three lengths behind. Oof. Yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> that that just shows you how strong that that um, Holy Bull run was from to the law. Yeah. And there's another good horse in here too that we talked about before, Independence Hall that ran in the Sam Davis at Tampa Bay's the nine horse, nine to two. Now he's run pretty well. That was his second best race in terms of speed number, despite the fact that he finished second. The thing that concerns me just a touch is that it was his first race over a mile and he backed up. In every other race, he had added distance as the race, you know, closed in on the, on the finish line. I would expect that you'll probably see a, re- a reversion back to that form of clo- of adding distance late. Mm-hmm. I do think that Independence Hall, you know, despite the, the the second place disappointing second place finish as the uh, as the uh, as the as the favorite in that race, he should be ready to come off the off a, a slight rest, ready to run, rested, and hopefully that rest will be enough for his legs to carry him to his normal type finish. And prior to that second place finish, no horse had come close to him where he had won by four lengths, 12 lengths, and four and three, oh. four and three quarter lengths. Yeah. We see a similar kind of performance out of him. And, uh, you know, he could step in front of an Etienne or maybe even uh, get in front of Tisbalaw. 
going to be a tough task, but he's one of the candidates that could do it. And then there's Governor Morris, who is the um, – flip around on my computer screen here a little bit. He's the number five horse at eight to one, lightly raced. He's only run three times. Um, but I like what I saw out of him in his most recent race off the bench. Again, he came off the bench, ran his top speed number, which is enough, which is something I like to see, provided it's not a huge jump. So in this case, he went from a 92 to a 94. If I see like an 85 to a 103, that's almost always a warning sign that, hey, that's kind of a peak number, and he's likely to come back down a little bit. No, no, so Rich, minor Rich improvement. the mathematical modeling in the 21st century tells us that you, you've got to pick the extreme. You don't look for normalcy. Yeah, well, that's what we're seeing with the coronavirus <laughs> yeah, just, reaction, just, right? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to remind everybody that that's how models work. You just pick pick the you know the, the best or worst scenario. That's it. I'm sorry. Right, not in the middle. No, no, no. But, yeah, but I, I do like the fact that he didn't jump off to the total right hand side of the bell curve there, and, <laughs> and you know I'm expecting him to you know to to extend that out even further, which you know that doesn't really happen with animals. Um, Occasionally, you'll see one that gets that big bump and that's a new level for him or her, but more often than not, it's not. Um, so in this case, he did show improvement. And internally, uh, the fractions were a little bit sharper than when he went on break. So I would expect him to be able to carry his, um, carry his form and improve in the second race, maybe um, by enough to be competitive uh, in the top two or three. Uh, if he does have that kind of bounce like he did from his first race to his second career start, and I don't mind seeing that improvement from race to race. I just don't like seeing him come off the bench and then do that. Uh, so if you have a similar performance in um, bump, he could run a speed figure close to triple digits, which would make him uh, a contender not only for second or third place money, but a shot at winning as well. Finally, the rail horse um, is as seen on TV, also ran in the Fountain of Youth, ran third, came off the bench to run one of his worst speed figures, in fact, the second worst speed figure. Um, but that doesn't bother me so much because uh, I would expect improvement in round two off, uh, off the sidelines and out of the barn. Had a pretty good workout since that race, uh, a speed or a bullet workout as they're called. So showing that he's is rounding into maybe better shape coming into this race. And his prior two races, he's one of the few horses in the field that has more than one triple digit speed rating. So I suspect that if he can go back just one or two races in form, he'll be a competitor as well. So our top five picks are um in this race. Number one, we have the favorite, Tis the Law, simply because he does look like he's the best horse in the field. We do rank in in the end. Uh, as the second horse, Independence Hall, number three, Governor Morris, number four. We have the, um, the the rail horse, as seen on TV, number five. I do think that there's not much difference between two, three, four, and five. We have a little bit of a long shot as our second alternative pick, Disc Jockey. He's the three horse uh, at 20 to one. He's showing improvement in form and improvement in form, trending in the right direction. Much better speed numbers last time out, but I mean, uh, fractions. A little bit of a shorter race, so it's to be expected. Um, but he's had trouble in two of his three races and yet still managed to gain ground in every one of them. So the extra distance could be helpful, and he could be one of the horses that, you know, 
pulls off uh, King Guillermo, and when the race is over, everybody's going, where the hell did that come from? I like it. Okay. Got got you in. Got you in with the horses. If disc jockeys, if his odds get much worse, would you just lay off him completely or, or keep or follow him just in case? If we're looking you know, at the board. Horse racing is a little bit different than like other sports where you have line movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it's a little bit different is many times in like football or um, basketball, you know, the line moves because the sharps are on it, so yes. because, as they say. And it's an indication of what people think is going to happen. Horse racing is a little bit different in that overlays tend to actually be a good betting angle. Mm. Uh, so, for example, if a horse is three to one, looks good on paper, um, the way the mutual pool works is kind of like a poker hand. Yeah. Is that you're you're just betting against the other people in the pool. You're not betting against a line, so to speak. So you actually kind of want to be an outlier uh, with your with your picks. So if you see a horse that goes from three to one to maybe seven to two or four to one, that's actually a good strategy many times um, to bet. And in the reverse of that can be true too. When you look at the program and you see a horse that's maybe like 10 to one or 15 to one, and it gets bet down to two or two one or three to one, or, you know, I, I've seen them bet down to you know 65 and so forth. A lot of times that's inside money that knows, Hey, this horse is ready to go. And, you know, we're going to put our money on them. Uh, and I, it happens every day at every track where you see a long shot get bet down. That's an underlay, but I don't like, I don't like a, a, a six to five that goes to four to five. That's not really a major improvement in its odds. And it's only going to um, lower the, you know, your payment if you happen to hit it. So underlays, I'm not a big fan of overlays. I do like, so if you were to go from 20 to one to 30 to one or to 50 to one, and you have him in your exacto box, or you put him in a trifecta box, or and you know in a superfecta somewhere along the line, and he hits. The higher those odds go, the, the, the less number of tickets are likely to have that horse on it. So it means that uh, your payout's going to increase probably significantly. So I would say the opposite is true gotcha. on long shots. Right. Well, you know, I, they're long yeah. shots. If they, if they go to twenty to one to one hundred to one, what difference does it make? Right. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Race. So in the race before that, yeah. we can do a you know nice maybe late double. Sure. Um, it, the uh, the the 13th race is the Appleton Stakes, mm-hmm. and here we do have a long shot actually on top of our picks. Oh, nice. So um, that that's a field of well, it's got 16 when you include the alternate entries, but 12 horses are scheduled to you know to leave the gates okay. uh, when they open up. It's um. Excuse me. It's a, a mile on the turf, and it's for um, it's a Grade Three, hundred thousand dollar race uh, for four year. Okay, so when you do your, I, I, when I do my handicapping, I try to do it without the odds, so it doesn't influence me. I call it favorites bias. I don't know if anybody's you know actually termed it, but there's a herd mentality, right? When you see the odds and you're doing your handicapping, if there's a two to one horse and you have him rated fifth. Um, if you don't know the odds, that doesn't bother you. But if you do know the odds, you know, there's that nagging feeling in the back of my head, my mind, what am I missing? The social paranoia, seven horse, he's 10 to one, and he hasn't run since um, September. The last time he had a similar break, a September to March break, was 
in uh, 2018 to 2019, exactly the same break this year that he had last year. He came back to run a mile in the 16th on Gulfstream turf. It's exactly what's going to happen uh, uh, tomorrow. And he won by eight lengths. <laughs> As a matter of fact, on turf, he's been in the money seven out of eight times. Oh, wow. So the only time he missed, he finished fourth. Man. So I would expect he's going to put in a good run Yeah. at 10 to 1. Todd Fletcher is a pretty good trainer. I was just going to ask. Um, one of the be- yeah, one of the better trainers in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his numbers with horses that are on extended vacations, um, he, he seems to know when to bring them back. Because one of his better angles is horses coming off the break of 90 days or more. A full 30% of his horses win oh, wow. under those wow. circumstances. And if there were only 10 horses that qualified, you might say, well, you know, that's you know, that's not enough data. But that's out of 435 horses. <laughs> so you have a really yeah. large data set yeah. with a, you know, a firm number that's not going to move much. Yeah. So I would expect that social paranoia at 10 to 1 will come off the bench yeah. and well, be ready to run. Yeah, with a name like that, go, what's going on now? It seems like perfect. So I'm kind of, kind of poetical. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And put a little bit, maybe social paranoia uh, distancing. Yeah. You've got to add a third name. <laughs> Let's hope you get some distance. Yes, from the rest of the field. That's exactly. what we're all hoping for, right? Yeah. And then uh, we like the number 10 to finish in behind. Uh, that horse's name is Sambaye or something along those lines. Yeah, I see it. He's been real competitive in the last two races since he came off a long extended break as well. Finished first in his last and second by three quarters in in the race before that. He's been over the turf uh, at Gulfstream twice with a win and a place. Those are his last two uh, races, which were also his two best races in terms of speed figures. Making the classic third start off a break, which is another good angle for Pletcher, another horse for him. Uh, that wins at 21% of the time, and he wins at 23% following a win. You got a couple numbers lining up pretty well for that horse who's also finished in the money at the distance all three times with the win and two second places. So that's a nice exacto right there. Uh, our third place horse is another long shot. Um, it's the, I think, the three horse. Here we go. His name is March to the Arch. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. March, are you St. Louis guy? Fans like the Cardinals? No, no, no. That's that's my That's my first name, Rich. Oh, yeah, Arch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. March to Arch. Yeah, there you go. I can't believe I missed that. CTE, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. I have a little residue from some That's coronavirus it. as well. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, this horse has kind of been in good form as of late. Um, we'd expect him to continue that form. He lost as the favorite last time out, and his trainer, Mark Cass, does follow back and rebound uh, with beaten favorites to win one out of four, 25% of the time. So I'd expect this horse to put in a good effort uh, and make a, you know, have a real good shot at it. So in our trifecta, for the top three horses, we have a 10 to one, a seven to two, and an eight to one. And Ooh. if we made those three right, you're going to get, you know, that's going to be a couple hundred dollar ticket, provided the odds don't change. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, is always possible. Underneath that is the eight horse, is Dr. Edgar. Uh, one of the things about this race is there's very little speed. 
and Dr. Edgar, which is a 20 to one. So you can see we got some real long shots mm -hmm. across the board here. He could get out to the front of this uh, field, stay in the front of the field all the way around the track because he's unlikely to get a lot of competition for the lead. If you look through the past performances, very few other horses have a, a bunch of ones, which means uh, you know that they get out of the gate first, first call at the quarter mile the mm -hmm. first, at the second call at the half mile the first. If you look through the past performances, you know there's none that consistently post a bunch of ones, and, and as a result, sometimes lone speed, which is another handicapping angle, horse that can get out to the front and not have to really run fast fractions because nobody's challenging him or her, mm -hmm. that horse then can run slow fractions and have plenty in the tank when it's time to turn for home. So this is a horse at 20 to 1, flashing speed last time, tired a little bit in his first race off the bench, but could improve in the second race. And he's kind of an all-or-nothing horse. He's run four times at Gulfstream. He's won two of them. And the two that he won, he was able to get to the lead run decently, uh, you know, reasonable fractions, and then just to hold on to that lead and the other horses couldn't pass him because he had enough left in his legs. So when you look at those top four horses, that's a heck of an exact uh, box. With those long shots in, you know, it may or may not play out, but you have a 10-to-1, a 7-to-2, an 8-to-1, and a 20-to-1. Best case scenario, yeah. if you exact your oxid, Dr. Edgar wins a 20-to-1, followed by our social paranoia, and you're going to have yourself a hundred dollar exacto. Yeah, with, with I, I, I know you handicap before you look at the odds. Uh, but with that being said, is it is it still okay to to exacto something like this box with so many long shots in here, or would you Dutch win? Well, you can do both. I, okay, you can do a Dutch win bet too, because we have a free Dutch win bet calculator right, on right. our website at mm -hmm. Gulfstream.com. So you, um, Gulfstream.com, I guarantee yeah. it's called Guaranteed Tip Sheet. Yeah. Uh, so if you go there, there's a free Dutch calendar. So when you do have horses, um, you know, three or four horses that you like with longer odds, mm -hmm. the Dutch calendar, so you want to bet 20 bucks or 50 bucks on a race or 100, it'll tell you exactly how much right. to put on every one of those horses. And if any one of them wins, then you still turn a profit. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be a good way to back it up. And then um, at the same time, I do think, you know, you're looking for tickets on this particular day where you can cash in because I do think with the big fields, you're going to get some long shots that win. Mm -hmm. And the last time, you know, we were at uh, Gulfstream for a big uh, race like this, uh, a weekend like this was Fountain of Youth. And a lot of the speed horses did hold up. So I don't know that the track conditions have changed that much in two weeks. I don't know that there's been a lot of rain down there. So I'd imagine the track probably just got a little bit harder and a little bit faster if mm -hmm. it's been sunny and warm. And in which case, the harder it is, much like golf, the faster things roll. Um, so that should benefit fast horses. When it's wet and deep, that's when the closing horses have a, an advantage because it's more tiring to be up on the front trying to control the pace with everybody pushing on you. And then if the grass is deep or the dirt is deep, you tend to fade late. Um, I don't know that that's been the case down there. Gotcha. Okay. Good to know. All right. Is there anything else? Other than that. Yeah. Now, who do you think has benefited the most from the free agency so far in the NFL? Uh, not the Houston Texans. No? <laughs> no. You mean losing, uh, losing uh, DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, for that deal. I think that Bill O'Brien's uh, days are numbered now. Yeah, well, maybe. 
you know, it, one of the things is it's going to be a put up or shut up year, right? If the team always seems to overperform, in my opinion, because when you listen to the uh, prognosticators, many of them say they have one of the, you know, one of the worst rosters in football, but yet somehow at the end of the year, they're always in the playoffs. And I, I know a lot of that has to do with the magnificent play of Deshaun Watson, yes. but somewhere along the line, you got to give Coach a little bit of credit too. Yeah. Well, where do you think Winston ends up, Jameis? Because uh, I know some people are thinking, you know, he'd be great in New Orleans. Yeah, I think he could probably end up there. Um, I don't know that he's going to be great anywhere because I think Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston. I don't know that you're ever going to be able to take the decision-making process away from him. Did you watch the um, hard knocks when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were on there? No, I missed that one. I missed that season. So there was a, a, a really hilarious scene in one of the episodes um, Deshaun Jackson, he had just signed with the, the, the Buccaneers at that time. And the two of them were on the sidelines talking, and the coach was calling the play. And Deshaun and, and um, Jameis Winston says to him, basically, all the hell with that. Just just run a fly pattern. And they run the play in practice, and Winston throws the ball, and it gets picked. And the coach comes back to him. He's like, what the hell is that? And he had like a five-year-old look on his face, like a kid who just got busted by his parents. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> it was hilarious. So I don't know that you can take that away from him no. and turn him into a guy that's not going to turn the ball over a lot. You, you, He's clearly got a competitive spirit. You know, and he, he, he can make good throws, but you know, he had, what, 40 turnovers last year? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, just insane. All right, so, yeah, so what, do think about, what, do you think, what do you think about your Bears? I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, that's I think right. The Bears, oh, well, yeah, that's right. I think I the Bears, forget. you know, probably, I think they may have improved a little bit. I don't know that Nick Foles is necessarily the answer. I mean, he had one magical season with the Eagles, and maybe two. Might be something about, you know, the way they do things that fits his eye. Um, I'm, I'll be doubtful that he'll bring that to the Bears. They don't really have um, playmakers on the outside that will allow for any quarterback really to, I think, be, you know, hugely successful unless they end up drafting one, uh, you know, in a, in a week or two. So I don't know that their offense will be much better. I don't think you can win in the NFL with a gimmick offense, which is what I've labeled Nagy's offense. Um, so I do think that the Bears could be better uh, on defense. Getting Quinn from the Cowboys was a big, I think, upgrade for what they had on that side. And he'll be able to provide it a, a – viable rush on the opposite side of Khalil Max. So I think their defense will go back to the top caliber defense it was two years ago. But I think they're still going to struggle to score points. They can't run. They don't have any playmakers on the outside. They can't stretch the field. And, you know, be it Trubisky or Nick Foles, I don't know that neither one of them can complete passes at a high percentage over 10 yards, which you do need to do sometimes in the NFL to keep defenses honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what about your Cowboys? So and I, I, Dak, what do you think about should they sign? I mean, they're going to franchise him, or are they still negotiating? Well, I think well they franchised him already, but yes. I think they're going to negotiate and close a deal. I'm, I love Dax Intangibles. I think he's a winner. He's you know he's got the best ability, and that's availability. He doesn't miss games. You know when the game is on the line, you know his head's in it. He's not afraid of the moment. Um, I think all of those things are great positives. The one big negative is that, and we saw this in the game against the Eagles to close out the season for the NFC Championship game, he's got Michael Gallup running by himself, no player within 15 yards of him. 
and he overthrows him by 20 yards. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that if you want to win in the NFL because the NFL is a big play league, right? One or two plays, the difference in most games. And if you miss that opportunity to make that big play that puts the stake in the heart of the team you're playing against, you just can't win consistently like that. And he misses too many throws like that, which if he can improve on that with his little hip dance that you saw on TV that everybody was <laughs> laughing about for a while, then I think he'll be worth the money that they're going to pay him. Much like Jameis Winston, I don't know. I think he's a better decision maker, and, we, and that's proven by the numbers than, than Jameis Winston is. But I just don't think you can take that inaccuracy out of some guys. And he might be one of those people that just, at times, for whatever reason, is inaccurate and doesn't put the ball in the window it needs to be in. And that doesn't matter in games when you're winning by 20 points like the Cowboys were last year. They're either blowing people out or losing close games. Mm -hmm. But where it does show up is in close games where you need to convert that third down for a first down to keep the drive alive so that your defense can stay off the field. Or when you have Michael Gallup running by himself or Amari Cooper running by himself and you miss the pass. And instead of having points, now it's third down and 10 and you fail to convert on third down and you turn the ball over yep. to the other team. So yep. I think that's who he is. That's who he's going to continue to be. And, uh, you know, now I think the Cowboys fortunes are going to ride on, on that for the foreseeable future. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck with all that, Rich. Uh, I'm praying for your Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can trade for Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. Or do like the him. Patriots and just tank for Trevor Lawrence. Oh, you think you think that's the, the roadmap? I think that's the plan, man. I mean, if you think about it, most people like see him as a generational talent. Is it worth one bad year for 15 good years of excellent quarterback play? <sighs> Yeah, maybe. They said Andrew Luck was the generational talent, too. Yeah, I, I don't know. This kid just seems to be a little bit different upstairs than Andrew Luck was. Like even back in the days when Andrew Luck was coming out, the knock on him was the, the, his love for the game. And in that championship game against um, – well, in the semifinal game against Ohio State, he had said that when he got hit, hurt, that it kind of pissed him off and made him more angry and wanted him to go out and compete more. Um, I don't know if that's how Andrew Luck would have reacted. You know, from what I heard, he would tell everybody, oh, great hit, and then get up and, you know, and and go on. So I think maybe competitive-wise, he's a little bit more competitive than uh, Andrew Luck was. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see what Belichick decides to do. Oh, man. So is there anything else? I mean, last week when we spoke, it was last week, I think, yeah, you were still feeling Mm -hmm. pretty optimistic about the stock market and the economy. You still feeling that way? Still feel pretty good? Yeah, I mean, you saw what happened with the market. Oh, absolutely. Week, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it popped pretty nicely. So what I'm looking for now on the market, some really basic, old-fashioned stuff. is we're, we're a little bit red today, a little bit sell-off, right? You know, you buy the hype, you sell the news, is an old adage in the, in the market. And I, what I'm looking for is the market to sell off again and where it stops and rebounds. What I want to see happen and what every investor who's long the market in your 401k what you want to see happen is the market sell off, hit a new bottom, uh, I mean, go down and reverse up again before it goes as low as it did before. So you have a higher low, and then the subsequent rally go higher than where the, where the, where the stocks topped out yesterday. So you have a higher low, 
and a higher high. Many times that's the first sign of a reversal in trend. So that could be the first sign that the absolute worst is over. And I did a bit of a little bit of analysis. And I forgot to email to you, so I apologize because I promised you I would. But Goldman Sachs had said that they, they thought the um, the bottom was 2,000 on the S&P 500, and that meant that 83% of the move to the downside was likely over. I was looking at the charts and thought maybe 1,700 could be the you know the, the, for the 200 month moving averages would be a more likely um, down um, support level, providing the market continue to sell off. But even in that case, it was 66% over. So I would think, based upon the news that we're hearing, that coronavirus could be seasonal, um, that the warmer weather and higher humidity is likely to mitigate the outbreak, and, and that the, the death rate and you know all of the doomsday modeling is going to be wrong, and it's going to be a really bad, bad case of like what the flu would be, but the numbers aren't going to be like the millions and in the, in the tens and tens of thousands of deaths that everybody's been talking about. So if that's the case, I think you'll see the, you know, the fear start to subside on the corona side. The economy will start to reopen again. You know, they, 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 they've basically thrown $6 trillion into the marketplace. Oh, God. So, I mean, I think you'll probably see inflation uh, as well, which will lift prices again. And maybe a year from now, we'll look back and everything will, will be be different, except the government's deficit's going to be, you know, twice the size of our economy. God, it's a good place to be. Yeah. All right, Rich. Thank you so much. And remember, guaranteed tip sheet. Get out there. Get some money. There's a major races tomorrow. Deep fields. Rich has got them all listed over there. Go check it out. We do indeed. All right, Rich. Thanks, man. Everybody stay safe. Stay healthy, and uh, maybe we'll talk again next week. And hopefully, before we know it, the uh, sports world will start to wake up again, and we'll be able to talk about other things that actually we can put some money on. Sounds good. Have a great weekend. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.